take two men that happen to be cousins who share a common codependency on movies, put them in a room, and tell them to talk about anything film-related. The result? A corpulent cornucopia of cinematic scrutiny we call The Finleys on Film. You're on already. Yay! All right. Mr. Finley, how are you, sir? All right. A little less screaming. Uh, good. Good. Um, I, Sorry, I'm enthused. Yeah, it's okay. It's all right. I am... Enthused. Uh, shit. Where's my goddamn thing? Ah, oh, there it is. Um, so we're talking about 1956, The Girl Can't Help It. Yes, we are. Sorry, yes, sir. Sorry to jump in so abruptly. Uh, you know, you know who <laughs> it's Tom? Really hot where you are. I get it. Yeah, you know who, who Tom Ewell reminds me of. Who does he remind you of, if anyone? Mm-hmm. Was that the guy from the Seven Year Itch? Was that him? Was that the actual actor? That's Tom Ewell. Well, that's probably why it fucking reminds me of him. But he's known for. He's like a poor man's uh, William Holden. That, William Holden. Yeah. That's a, he's kind of like a goofier William Holden. He sounds like William Holden, first of all. So when William Holden's at his goofiest, I guess he's the, he's at his most Tom Yule. Tom Yule is known for like um, three movies, really. Um, this one, The Girl Can't Help It, 1956, 1955's um, The Seven Year Rich, and then Adam's Rib, where he sort of made his bones <laughs> as the rotten husband to um, Judy Holiday. The, okay, the yeah. cheating husband, and so um, he's sort of a goofball, you know. He's sort of the yeah, I think the goofier edge of William Holden for sure. And this is, I kind of, I would say his vehicle, but it's a vehicle for so many things, man. So many okay. things. Now, now, help me out. I feel very, I feel very confident in saying this uh, relative to your mentioning uh, what's your name. Um, born yesterday. This, there's a lot of there's a lot of born yesterday in this movie. Yeah, off. it's a type of it's movie really for sure. Big, it's a really big part of this movie. Yeah. Yeah, there's a couple of movies like I, I think this this uh, uh, is a parallel to, and, and Born Yesterday is one of them. Although, see, we can talk about in some ways why it's a it's a poor man's uh, Born Yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in some ways why it succeeds more. To be honest with you, I'm not a big fan of Born Yesterday. I never really thought it was a great. I understand okay. why it's it's monumental, right? Because it's got some really great qualities to it. It's very funny. It's got all these things going for it. But yeah, I don't. It's I would say it's no Citizen Kane, but it's a good movie. I don't know that this movie is nearly that good. I think this is a much better movie than Born Yesterday. Oh my! Yeah. Interesting. Oh, controversial. Okay. Yeah, and I'll. But I. But, but I think this is. I, I categorize categorize this as a as a good bad movie. I don't even think it's a bad movie. I just think it is. Um, it announces exactly what it is and, and does what it is really well. Can we call this an exploitation film? No, in what way? Well, in the sense that basically they, they, they stop the action like several times throughout the movie just because it's 1956, rock and roll is on the scene, and they're trying to get the kid money. And so they stop and just put they put in musical acts the, the, of the day, Little Richard, you know. Uh, I never thought of that as, an ex, as, as the definition of exploitation, but... Um, be- I mean, it's a vehicle. I would say it's I would, cashing in for sure. Yes, it is. I mean, there are other movies that try to cash in on the rock and roll phase, and there are two types. One's like the Blackboard Jungle, where it's like we're going to cash. Like Bill Haley's Rock Around the Clock is going to be like this impetus, right? For, but it, but the story's not going to revolve around it. And then there's there's the kind that's kind of meta, right? Where it's like, oh, it's going to be about rock and roll. Uh, rock and roll is going to be the, the the springboard, but it's also going to be part of the plot somehow. 
Well, this is a, yeah, okay. And I think, but one of the things I think is funny is that the, one of the big differences between those two types of movies, the Black Horror Jungle versus this movie here, yeah. is one is built for the kids' parents. One is built, This is one of the first movies I can think of that was built very specifically for a kid audience. I think Black Horror Jungle was built for the kid audience too. Really? Yeah, yeah and I, I remember it was much more like a cautionary tale for the parents to take home to walk around. Parents okay. can't right. do nothing, man. Not when rock and rolls around. <laughs> I mean, the interesting thing about rock and roll, I, re- I read an article about some somebody who said, I walked out of, he lived, grew up in Michigan, and I walked out of my small town theater after watching Blackboard Jungle, and I don't know why I did it, but I walked across a bunch of cars. It's like, yeah, footprints on those cars. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I get it. I don't know why you do it, but I'm I... footloose, way to go. Yeah, I guess, in a way... Um, I, the thing about rock and roll is um, it strikes me that rock and roll is the first genre of music where there's a clear divide between generations. Right. You know, you, I mean, you could stretch it and say jazz, but, you know... Uh, gen- I wonder if, like, those, like the, fuck you, man, opera's the best, mom and dad. <laughs> well, there were musical styles that, that made people rebel. I mean, there were famous sort of burnings down of opera houses in Vienna, you know. I mean, there, there are historical cases of classical and opera music driving people to insane sort of cultural reactions. No doubt about it, and I can see it, mm-hmm. but, but rock and roll is a sort of a very divisive in terms of generations, and so... That's an interesting thing. There's no doubt, yes, you're right, that it, it is cashing in on the youth youth culture, this movie, for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, And I know this, by the way, because uh, because Finley, number one, watched it in the theater. Like, he was, like he always loved this fucking movie. This movie had, always had a spot in his heart. And I guess for a certain re- for that reason and for the fact that I caught it when I was a young male, it's built for the young male. This movie is, is a movie designed to be watched by a young male audience. <laughs> and uh, it, yeah. just, it's just, it appeals to me. Yeah, it's got, it's got a Bugs Bunny quality. Of uh, overt, of, of pretty much overt sexism in a lot of ways. Uh, yeah, you know, well, the, the, the kind that appeals to a young male mind. Yeah, I guess so. It's got. I mean, it does what What's Up Doc does, and or any Bob Hope movie in terms of the fourth wall, right? So it does. Um, it does. Uh, uh, Tom Yule comes out right away, and it's like I. I immediately fell for it. I thought this movie was in color, and it's like, in beautiful color. I said color, guys! And so, like, the black and white set turns to color, and he pushes the 1953 um, proportions to, to the new 1957 uh, cinemascope with his hands out to the edges. And so it's, there's always a nod and a wink um, at the audience, and so that sets the tone for exactly how seriously we should take this film. But I would argue, once you get that license, or that limitation, let's say, it's a it's a really it's a well made movie. I like it. It's fun. It's a very fun movie. I, uh, there's a part of me like as a you know as, as a young uh, as a as a neoliberal in, in, in the modern world, I get a little bit uh, feel a little awkward to me sometimes. But then there's the, there's the other part of me that goes, oh yeah, just shut up and enjoy. There's zero it. awkward for me about this film at, at all. Fun. I, I just very total fun. fun. Just like this Jane Mansfield walking down the street and the ice guy is loading ice into the back of the truck. And he starts melting it with his nope. hands. <laughs> nope, 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 nope. That's great scene. not. No, that's not it at all. No, Tommy. No, no, no. Yes, the ice melting in the iceman's hand when she walks down the street is great. And the guy's glasses cracking when he sees her. <laughs> but when the milkman picks up two bottles, I thought, oh, the bottles are going to burst. No, no, no. White m- liquid pops out of the top of his bottles. Mm-hmm. Mm, subtle indeed. One of the great one of the great scenes of the movie is Jane Mansfield holding two milk bottles in front of her enormous oh, breasts. Her memories. That's and then and saying the words I'm not they say I'm not fit to be a mother. It's fucking beautiful. <laughs> it's such a great, such there's a great a stupid beautiful joke. There's a great um, picture 
Um, let's see if I can pull it up here. You know this picture with her and, and Sophia Loren. Just tell me you don't so I can pull it up. I, I have no idea, Joe. Who are they? <laughs> have you seen this picture before? You probably have seen this picture, right? I don't I don't know. Until, until you show it to me, I won't know. Go. Okay, here it goes. <laughs> and it was just a moment captured in time uh, where, where uh, Sophia Renz at some Oscar event or something she's looking over just mesmerized by a Jane Mansfield's a Gazungas yeah Jane Mansfield is I hate to say this she's the one woman where like all those bazoombas gazungas all those words they kind of still work yeah well she so I mean there's the trifecta right and, and there's a hierarchy there's obviously Marilyn Monroe um, and she's the top, you know, the most popular. And, 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 you know, I don't think it's a myth that she was a lot smarter than people gave her credit for. I mean, there are a lot of stories for her sort of, uh, and not just in terms of her career, but actually being a thinking person. Um, there's the third tier, which is Mamie Van Doren. And you might, I remember her especially from uh, Teacher's Pet. She was right. Clark Gable's girlfriend from Teacher's Pet. And then there's Jane's Man- Jane Mansfield in the middle. And I, I ran across this really interesting article. Now, you can still see the screen share, right? There's Jane Mansfield in her, I guess, 1950s. I guess it was a bodybuilder back in 1958 or whatever. Her, her husband. Her, um, but there's, a, there's an interview with Ann B. Davis. Do you remember Ann B. Davis? I do not. Ann B. Davis, of course, most people will know her as Alice on um, The Brady Bunch. And so um, this interview is that here's how Ann B. Davis knew Jane Mansfield. I'd visited and was lucky enough to get to know Ms. Davis. During our meetings, I'm going to the next next paragraph, she told me some great inside stories. And it was basically about how um, Jane Mansfield took the the, uh, stage role that Marilyn Monroe had had in William Inge's bus stop. And Ann B. Davis, I think, played like the cafe owner who's in love with the, the uh, right? Yeah, that should be, yeah, should be a good person. Perfect for her. And, and she was just like, this, this uh, lady could not keep her, her legs closed, first of all. She was fucking everyone on the set. Um, but then there's this whole... Jane or... Jane. <laughs> I wish it was Anne. No, no, it was Jane. You know, by the way, Ann B. Davis, I have to say, became like an Amish sort of person later on. So, so there's a little bit of uh, puritanical observation there. But, but here's the thing. Um, I'm going down, and uh, uh, where the fuck is it? Sorry, Jane was not as advertised. She was a huge drunk. She was an uncontrolled uh, monster uh, and dumb as sin. She was not educated in any definition. She was a blow-away, a blow-away alcoholic. She could barely read lines and was awful to the rest of the crew. And it's sort of like, oh, Ann B. Davis. Oh, Alice the Maid, do tell. Um, I really liked reading about that. And, of course, you know that in 1967... Uh, Jane Mansfield just, ah, she just lost her head. Yeah, well, you know, uh, she, she, at the end there, she was using, uh, uh <laughs> dandruff shampoo? that she had dandruff. Yeah. yeah. How, How was that, dandruff? Tom? How did they find out they, she had dandruff? They found her head and shoulders in the mm, Oh, that's classic beheading humor. <laughs> but, you know, the thing is, she is very likable in this film, and what they do is, there's a, there's a literary term for it, but it's like the hot broad who ultimately li- likes the average guy. She's a little mm-hmm. bit adventurous herself. And so, you People know, the, the incel dream now, I think. <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right. But, but so Tom Ewell plays a kind of washed up um, agent, talent agent. Right, talent agent, right. And Edmund O'Brien. Now, I don't know what happened to Edmund O'Brien, but he was actually a cool, cool character in like in uh, DOA and the Shanghai story in the late, in the late. And even he did a version of 1984, World's 1984, a couple years before this. But the thicker he got, the heavier he got, the more they just decided he was going to be a buffoon. And, and that, that went all the way 
until you know 1969's The Wild Bunch. The Wild Bunch, right, or, right. Or we just recently did um, Alan Alda's 1973 made-for-TV movie, Isn't It Shocking? And it's sort of like, I guess he just was okay with that transition to goofball because he definitely was, he made Tom Yule kind of the serious character. And Tom <laughs> yes, Yule is the yes. goofball, right? So he. Right. So, Edmund O'Brien, meanwhile, he's playing what? He's playing the uh, the mobster. The Broderick, the Broderick Crawford sort of born yesterday character, right? So mm-hmm. so he's got this sweet, sweet arm candy. And you know what? I'm not a huge fan, whether it's Marilyn or anyone else. It's not my preference, the whole platinum blonde. But I got to say, yeah, you know, she's pretty, she is pretty amazing. Yeah, again, not my thing. Like, I'm not, I'm not a big boob kind of a guy, but. You're just again, a big boob. As a male, as a male, I do appreciate oh, quantity. There's using no a lot of, that thing. Using a lot of terms loosely. She was smuggling, she was smuggling a couple of, like, chihuahuas on her chest. <laughs> I like how you, pro- you know, I'm not the kind of guy, and you end with that, uh, but those milk bags. I'm telling um, you, man. Like, you just got to go, fuck, all right. Just yeah. A round of applause for. Well, there it is, for sure. You know, so it's like, yeah. so he's, he's the, the mobster. And they were natural. No, natural. So he he was he's the mobster and he's got he's in love with uh, Jane Mansfield, the girlfriend. Who, by the way, creepy again, creepy again. Because it's not just that he's got a younger would be girlfriend. It's that the reason she knows him is that he was associated with her mobster father, and so she feels like she owes him basically. Yeah, and it doesn't hurt that she's also a fresh, attractive young woman, and he's you know he's very trollish. He's differently. Oh, by the way, I gotta stop the whole podcast to say this. This really bums me out. I went. I'm. I am a troll. I love trolls, and for a long time, I I just thought troll meant like uh, the guy under the bridge. Like you're just being like an ugly fucker. I thought that was oh, the. Right. I thought that's what the metaphor was. It's fishing. You're trolling. Oh well, there is that too. Yeah, I'm saying troll. No, 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 Tommy, you don't get to go. Yeah, and then when I give you the other definition, you go. Oh yeah, I know. No, you didn't know. Clearly, I didn't know either. That bums me out. Anyway, so uh, then there's Tom Yule, and it's like Tom Yule's famous for these three things. It's okay, Tom. You didn't know something. Tom Tom Yule's known for these three movies, and then nothing else. Fantasy Island. And toward the end of his life, he's literally like uncredited person in crowd. Really? What's that's a bummer. Why the downfall? Because I think he's great. No, he just didn't have he just didn't have like the star quality. Like we said, he's kind of a knockoff William Holden. He got he got what he could out of that, and then I yeah. guess William Holden started being the knockoff William Holden, so you didn't need him anymore. I guess all. I guess they're all they're, we're looking at three knockoffs here, right? Because James Man, James Mansfield is a knockoff too. I mean, we don't know. I mean, she, and her head was knocked off. We don't know had that not happened, it, what what would have uh, what would have transpired. But I do Very know. Very <laughs> well, like a fishing lure. Um, I. Uh, but at least Evan O'Brien sort of got to do things on his own terms. But anyway, so so the the idea is um, speaking. So anything wrong with Evan O'Brien's career was totally redeemed by the Wild Bunch. So. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I'll led you in and led you right out again. Thumbs up, yeah. The, I, speaking of uh, Citizen Kane, I think that this has a, a, a similarity there because it's one of the greatest movies ever made. No, because <laughs> use of shadows, Rosebud. No, because um, uh, uh, isn't it um, Kane who has a, a first wife who try he tries to get to be an opera singer uses his influence to. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. Okay. So, but Evan O'Brien's character is a has been himself. Right, well, has been right, and it, uh, the great one of the best parts of the whole movie, by the way, is his his attempt to try to make Jane Mansfield a star. He ends up becoming 
like a rock and roll star in the worst possible way. He does, and I and he writes a song that I don't think is that bad. <laughs> I kind of like the music in this thing. I maybe because just before Little Richard died, which is about two weeks ago, so it must have been about three weeks before that. I just randomly decided to start listening to Little Richard, and I got into a lot of this music. I, I guess technically it's dog shit, but I I kind of enjoyed the timely carousel of lame rock and roll, early rock and roll music. It's one of those one things where I think I'd actually like to listen to somebody who knows something about music talk about Little Richard so I could get an idea. Because I don't know, I, I find him incredibly an incredibly enjoyable, energetic, and, 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 and but I don't know if he's a good musician. I I, I couldn't tell you. I don't no know Prince, this. Or maybe he he is, and somebody should tell me that. I'm sure he's the root of of a prince. So to speak. Um, so, I, yeah. So uh, the other thing is, um, I, I find nothing lamer than commentary about, oh, white people's inability to dance. Oh, you fucking hack. But this film really did bring home that difference, uh, the kind of like back to the future dance difference between um, African-American performers and A, their white counterparts as performers, yeah. and B, the white audiences. Le- we're so lame. <laughs> yeah, lame. That's right. We're so I want lame. the word honky to come back. I got to be honest. That's the thing for me. Mm, mm. After that, the return of honky. That'd be fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, and then of course it, it's the big sort of struggle because Tom Mule begins to fall in love with her. She begins to fall in love with him. They're afraid of the big boss is going to kill them. Who's kind of a, you know what he is? I was thinking, uh, okay, the, uh, the Susan Kane comparison didn't fly and I understand why. <laughs> so I'm going to say this. How about Johnny Rocco? I'll be big again someday. Yes. Okay, How about Evan O'Brien right. as, as Key Largo's Johnny Rocco? Oh yeah, you know that's interesting. I guess I didn't, that didn't make that connection, but that's kind of that's kind of a very easy to connection to make. Now that you bring it out, yeah, he's definitely doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, he definitely watched that movie at some point before he took this role. And then the other thing that happens in this film, I mean, we, I mean, we could still talk about the plot and everything else. And besides the sort of like the kitschy shit, is the it's a it's a cavalcade of, of interesting performers. So it's like there's Little Richard. Yeah. There's um, I think very interesting the. The just a mere eight years before and one film before, uh, um, um, I forget the name of it. Abby Lincoln is in this one. Uh-huh. We did that episode on Abby Lincoln where she did not a, ain't I a man? It's not ain't I a man? Something like that. Nothing but nothing but a man. Nothing but a man. Nothing but a man. And for the love for love of Ivy, right? Those she made three films, and her first film that she made, I guess, as a sort of small part, was The Girl Can't Help It. Right. She's kind of a Julie God. London is in this. Oh, Julie London is a great sort of little gag that they've got going with with Tom Yule having sort of had a love affair with the great Julie London and ruined her taste for love. But she just shows up every once in a while to fuck with him and sing "Cry Me a River." It's got a very there's a lot of Bob Hope in this movie. Right. I would yeah. say you were. I saw you struggle. You were going to make a, a no, no. No, there's gonna, more Bob to spare or something. I'll cover you, buddy. Nah, <laughs> <laughs> well, you can I, 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 reel I me in I if you wanted, want. Like heat to intensify and to flash fry somebody. Before. Oh, that makes me sad, oh, Tommy. Yeah, I uh, so anyway, um, yeah. I mean, and, and there's uh, the just, Eddie Cochran. I mean, oh, Eddie really, Cochran. Really good. Like Eddie Cochran looks yeah. exactly like Elvis. He's doing his best Elvis impersonation. Although they use maybe the first of them all. They use Eddie Cochran footage to make the point that you don't have to be able to sing to. Uh, to make it in this this here world, 
Yes. I love that song too. I fucking forgot how much I enjoy that song. Yeah. And then Fats Domino, I think, is in here. Doing the I've never heard him do anything but Blueberry Hill, which means yeah, I need yeah, an education. Yeah, we stop fat shaming him, but yes, yeah. Yes. Mr. Domino, Mr. Well, Domino is there. So. Well, that was the Evan O'Brien character too. It was like I used to be called Slim, and then <laughs> it was it was fat, <laughs> yeah. and yeah, I I just find it so enjoyable. I was I was laughing out loud, much of the chagrin of my wife as I was oh, watching. Oh, childish the, fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. For show, for show, definitely. Go check that shit out. All right, 1956 is The Girl Can't Help It. And I guess what this means is there's really no way of ever doing a Tom Yule episode because we already did uh, Adam's Rib for Catherine Hepburn. We're doing this one by itself. And The Seven Year Itch... It's pretty much a Maryland vehicle, isn't it? I think so, unless we did it as a, like a separate one or something like that. All right, Tommy, I understand that you have some sort of website. Yes, TomSmithComedy.com. Go check it out. Um, you can also give us feedback uh, through finleysonfilm at gmail.com. And if you'd like to, you can rate and review us on iTunes. And you know what, folks? Just tell people about how great we are. <laughs> that was perfect. Yes. Tom just yes. nodded silently. That's how great we are. <laughs> yes, please do that. Yes. That would be very nice of you. And we would like that. Oh, the girl can't help it, Tommy. Oh, neither can you, Joseph. Neither okay. can you. Catch you later, buddy. See ya.